0: We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 105. Now We are already in July, which means that quarter two is behind us and it is time for another quarterly Q&A. Every week we do an after show for our Patreon supporters and we answer their questions that they put in for us. And once a quarter, we pick a few that really resonated and share them on the main show.
1: Yep. And as most of our patrons already know, this year's show is proudly sponsored by Woodcraft. And Woodcraft is one of the nation's oldest and largest suppliers of quality woodworking tools and supplies. with stores in more than 70 cities across the U.S. and an amazing website. Woodcraft is both mine and Brad's go-to for woodworking tools and supplies. For all of our listeners, new and old, be sure to use the code MFP in all caps at checkout for free shipping in the lower 48 states. Once again, we really appreciate each and every one of you as listeners and Woodcraft for sponsoring the show. Absolutely. Thank you, Woodcraft. And
0: uh, again, thank you to our our Patreon supporters. If you do want to join that squad and be part of the MFP patron tribe, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. Uh, but let's just jump right in, John. We have uh, a couple. We like to break these up a little bit and do two kind of product-oriented and two more social media content-oriented. So uh, let's why don't you hit us with that first one from Steve? I thought this was a great one around branding.
1: Yeah, we loved this question in the after show, and it actually got really juicy. I think uh, we elaborated on this one for a good bit. And um, So uh, Steve from Steve's Custom Carvings asked the question, about branding, in which he uh, states that he's additionally began the production of wooden flags and cornhole boards for his business, as well as carved signs, and he's thinking about setting up separate entities for both. Um, He's wondering if he should do a rebrand, or if he should create an all-encompassing brand, um, and what kind of strategies and tips Brad and I might have. Um, And with this kind of came the conversation based around not only my own experience, um, which has been semi-similar to, to this in that, um, you know, as the evolution of what I've been doing, um, has grown from, you know, being in a garage, selling cornhole boards and, uh, cutting boards to making and producing custom furniture for bars and restaurants to doing interior design consulting and now producing content full-time. You can obviously see how much sway and flow could happen in a small business. Um, and, we talked about it, I think, on like episode three, whatever the branding for the branding episode was like way, way back way in the back. early years um, yes. on how we do believe. And I do believe that uh, when you're creating a brand for something like a uh, craft of woodworking specifically, you don't want to pigeonhole yourself with a name or some sort of uh well, like guess, stylistic right yeah. like
0: especially trendy i think the example we used was like rustic or pallet furniture yeah it know, was like type, rustic type
1: pallet chair builder com. like you don't want to stick yourself <laughs> that into would be a great website By yeah. the way, <laughs> you don't want to stick yourself into a corner because if the business starts to pivot that brand's going to be needing uh, a rebuild and so My suggestion for Steve was to consider a rebrand, but doing something that would be a little more encompassing to general woodworking or where he sees the business in two to five years um, more than where it is in the moment. Um, So, you know, starting off a business and something like carving specifically and wanting to stay within that hub or in that zone, I think is um, it's it's a natural thing to name your business after that, right? Um, and then uh, as it continues to grow, um, you start to learn new skills and orders start to come in for things that could be tangential. I know in woodworking a lot, uh, you know, you'll get an order for a cabinet and then an order for a table and then maybe some chairs and then something completely off the rocker, like molding or doing some, in, you know, in-homework. And the, the, I guess the uh, idea to the general public of woodworking or being uh, a skilled laborer that's a carpenter or something like that. Is like this massive umbrella, and so as those inquiries start to come in with your business, when you're small, you take them. You know, you're you you wanna you're taking as much uh, income as you can get, and you're trying to find your footing. Um, and then potentially, if you're you know someone like Steve who is doing carving, you could get into you know finding a lot of enjoyment and a lot of good business and selling something like wooden flags or cornhole boards. Um, But my suggestion in this isn't going to be to go and rebrand the business to be Steve's custom carvings, flags and boards. You know, it should be something that's more like Steve's custom woodworks or Steve's custom uh, garage or something, you know, that that you can essentially build whatever and then marry it to the branding itself. And my reason for saying this is because um, the time and effort you're going to put into trying to create individualized businesses such as steve's custom cornhole boards or steve's custom wooden flags and then having all three of these dynamics it becomes like essentially a uh, who's that what what do you call it? a fiddler right what do you call it? a puppeteer right you're trying to balance i all like a
0: fiddler, fiddler. I,
1: yeah. <laughs> sorry <laughs> before the show brad and i were just blaring <laughs> you know charlie daniels band and, and fiddlers on the mind but uh <clears throat> You're, you 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 essentially dive into the the concept of like oh did I send that invoice from you know the cornhole boards or did I send that inquiry come to custom carvings and like a lot of little things start to catch up to you. When I was still trying to move a significant volume of custom work, I created a separate brand um, that a lot of all of you know about now called uh, Metal and Wood Custom Furniture because. I wanted a clearly distinguished differentiation from johnmalecki.com. Johnmalecki.com is just as clearly a content-based uh, website. Um, and then having the retail side of things be a brand kind of by John Maleki. That was my vision for it. Um, so my suggestion, Steve, and what I said on the after show and kind of where you're at, would be to either think of it in that way of, If you want Steve's custom carvings to be something that's standalone, that you're only doing carvings and you're never and you're never doing anything else. And the business itself is nice and clear and cut and dry to where you don't have to concern yourself with all of the little kind of BS that pops up from the day to day. Then maybe you want to create a separate brand that would be supplemental, such as Steve's custom woodworks or, you know, Steve's custom garage, something like that, um, and run them in tandem. Or just rebrand into one individual brand that would be all encompassing in order to do all of those things under a flagship. And uh, regardless of whatever's happening, as long as you're building something and it's within the means of your branding, you don't have to concern yourself with, you know, oh, my goodness, I just did a, you know, I just did a dining table and my business sign says carvings on it. Like (laughs) there's a there's obviously some some sort of confusion, What you're trying to eliminate here is that question of what do you do?
0: what do you do? Client, and right? exactly i think part of the that that um, we had talked about in the original answering was you know what what do those look like as far as you know wooden flags and and cornhole boards because uh with a name like steve's custom carving if they are if they do have carved features to them like a lot, i've seen a lot of wooden flags that have the carved you know kind of wavy look to them so you know, that might fit well under the brand that might be a way that he uh sets himself apart from the rest of the crowd with you know cornhole boards that have some unique car feature to it that they're at a premium versus just kind of a standard mm-hmm. you know 200 hundred dollar cornhole boards whatever uh so it goes that way too. it to a bigger point i'll hit on uh the kind of entity question uh john that you were scraping on too but you know it depends well like i mean if steve's in texas then maybe you should be the fiddler because you, you gotta have a fiddle in the band if you play in texas so mm, if you go home uh, I'm sorry <laughs> I was I was trying to cue that up quickly while we were that was going and I missed it. I was like, "Dang it!" Oh, Plus, so I've got different. my headphones on, so well, no, I've just been singing. I'm like, So, rising <laughs> up your bow, uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> side note, Alabama. Uh, yeah. So, if you have no idea what that reference is, just uh, type in "Got to Have a Fiddle in the Band" and enjoy some Alabama. Um, anyway, from an entity perspective, it does not make much sense to go through the rigmarole and back-end work of, of actually having an entity. On the other hand, uh, there is something that you don't even need an LLC to do, which is called a DBA, doing business as. And so you could do business as different names uh, and not have to go through all of the, you know, basically the the legalese and the the legal workings of getting entities. But what you lose by that, so I could say, like, you know, Brad Rodriguez doing business as fix this build that I could mm-hmm. also say doing business as Brad's custom woodworks uh, and not, and basically I file, I could file for uh, to basically get that linked up so that then I can have a bank account that I can accept checks under those names um, and, and get a, a business license or something of that nature. And it, that's all going to change depending upon your locality locale. But uh, anyway, you, you can do that. Uh, what it doesn't give you though is protection. So the, the whole idea of having an entity for me, the, the biggest, the biggest thing it gives you is it lets you cordon off and, and kind of lock off that portion as far as risk is concerned. Um, and, and a upside for that matter. So if it was, you know, uh, Steve's, you'd, Thirty-foot lawn darts, like you might want to have that in your own entity. Uh, that you know, in in your advertising, you're like, yeah, these are great. You can throw them to each other at camping trips and sharpen them really good. <laughs> like something that's kind highly risky. Tips, they never go <laughs> right. That when you have something uh, risky that could jeopardize the rest of your mm-hmm. business, that would be a great reason to have a separate, a, a physical separate entity LLC, uh, because then. Uh, you can, you know, do something again, you know, we're not lawyers here, but you can work with your lawyer to figure out how to protect the rest of your, your business and your personal assets and all that good stuff. Uh, So that for me would be the only reason that I would really want to, to segment something and have it completely branded differently. But without that, I'm with you, John, you know, that the custom woodworks or, or even just, you know, having, having just a kind of random name that uh i mean not random name but you can you know it could be something wood related or not or it could be you know the timber wheel like have i don't know like any yeah. any type of name that you, you have just, <laughs> like
1: <laughs> yeah, so
0: I was, I was my mind was going to our, our uh, earlier conversation uh John and I were, were coming up with some names for different things, and uh, I don't think those are appropriate for the air. But uh, you, yeah, you can come up with anything. That it's just kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know. Like you hear any any brand name that doesn't really mean anything, like Apple. Oh yeah, they sell electronics. Like okay, hmm. that makes absolutely no sense. Uh, so basically, not pigeonholing yourself is the biggest is the biggest uh, piece of advice I think we're going for. So unless like you're just honed in on that uh, so hard, and you want to be known in that space for carving, then, uh, then yeah, I think that's, I think you should keep that name because I think that, you know, immediately already tells you like, nobody's going to ask It's Steve's custom carving. They know if they need something, they want something really cool carved. You're the dude to come to. So hopefully that helps. And I think those are, um, you know, some good things to think on for any business because, uh, branding and don't be afraid to rebrand. I think we talked about, we had that branding episode, John, we talked about, you know, don't be afraid to rebrand
1: because, uh, it can be very beneficial in the long run. Yeah, for sure. Can. And, and there's a, having the perspective and the wherewithal to realize that your business is if it's still small, that you can make those moves without losing the attention of your existing audience or without um, gearing you know away from where you've been um, is 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 it's an intelligent move, like love hearing that you're growing, Steve, love hearing that more is happening and that this opportunity is presenting itself. Um, hopefully you got some good information out of that as I've been through this before in the past, and it is a it's quite a pivotal point in a business to, you know, could sit down and consider a rebrand. So um, some some good stuff there. Uh, Our next question is coming in from Tim Mills, Um, and this is going back, I believe, to. Yeah, it's going back to some content strategy. Um, And Tim's asking, what's a good strategy to lever leverage hitting milestones on Instagram? Uh, A lot of people doing giveaways. Um, How can we get the most out of it? Uh, you know, some people reach out to sponsors, others do giveaways with things they make. I was wondering on our opinions. In the after show, this question spawned an entire episode. It did. In which, which, do you know what number that is off the top of your head? No. I have no idea. No idea. But there's an episode in there and we'll pull that up. Brad will probably find it here in the next 30 seconds as I blabber. <laughs> but uh, reason being is that it's such a rich topic, right? It's such an, in, in, yeah. in, in yeah, this was it was episode
0: 97 and it did spawn that. And, uh, I'm going to just go ahead and say that I forgot we even did a show on that.
1: Yeah. And so that's why this question is in what, here. <laughs> what, 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 what you guys but, don't know normally is that we like record eight, we record a lot in a row and it becomes like, like we're recorded <laughs> out like far. So
0: we are, it's we hard are. so sometimes back, we forget you know, that we right. have recorded entire episodes. Uh And so we'll make this one super duper quick, but I, I do want to kind of hit because I know we, we did talk extensively about that. So if you want to hear really in depth, go to episode 97 and uh, you know, thank you, Tim s- for sending this one in, because I think that is really cool that we've been able to like get some questions and be like, Oh wow. Like I think that one, I think uh, mm-hmm. uh getting into a new shop, that one came from yep. the after show. Yep. And so there's questions that come in, and it really you know sparks like, oh wow, that's like a really juicy topic. So let's let's talk through that. But on the giveaway scene, I think that um, even even now seeing it after we did the giveaway show, I know we had a lot of folks that got onto Gleam.io yes. and uh, that are using it that way. And I've seen a lot more people. Uh, but what's interesting is is that I mean giveaways are, are still such a huge thing. And actually, I've been getting these emails like and for like ever now, every day since I'm on there. If you guys are familiar with Sticker Mule, uh, that's who we use to get our stickers. And a lot of people use to get their stickers. Uh, They are right in the middle of a hundred days of giveaways. So like they are running hard on Instagram. If you go look at the, at their account, they're literally like that. They went full in and they're like for a hundred days. That's all we're going to post. I mean, that's like a third of a year. Like all they're going to post (laughs) so aggressive. Like they're doing 100 giveaways and it's really funny. Like, so uh, I, I would go take a look at that account just just to see how they did it, because they're doing it in the comments and their account is not very big. So they can, I think, get away with that. But they're still getting like massive amounts of comments um, on there. So I'm, I'm not sure exactly how they're handling that. But, uh, you know, they're using it. And I don't know how much they're growing their account. But, you know, they've I, well actually I'm sorry. They they're not a small account. I don't know how much they've grown recently they've got 286,000 followers. Uh, And so some of these are like, they're really funny. Like ones like win a jar of olives. (laughs) And So I'm like, okay. And so the win of jar of olives has 2,600 entries, but then they have win a Samsung TV. Uh, And that one has 22,000 entries. So, and you enter by commenting. So, uh, you know, they're going more of the basic route, but um, I just think this is a great example. And that's, why I had it on my mind and of the giveaways because I've been seeing the sticker mule thing and I've I've been entering some of the funny ones and and uh like I want a jar of actually I hate olives so I I wouldn't have that.
1: Yeah.
0: But uh you you go in there and look at that and what they've done is really interesting because like every mm, not not there's there's actually not a number that I'm seeing here, but let's say maybe every fifth one, they're giving away their own products. So like they're giving away coffee, then a Google Wi-Fi, then oval sticker, uh, you know, an order of oval stickers, then a Turducken <laughs> America, uh an Apple Watch, some T-box and then bumper stickers. So like what mm. they're doing, like I really like how what they're doing here that they're integrating giving away things that people really want that are, you know, an, an Apple Watch, a Samsung TV, um to smaller things, funny things, but then also incorporating their stickers and, you know, uh, and different things from the brand. So, so what they're doing is that they're engaging a huge audience to get people who are like interested in getting new things, but then they're incorporating their items in it. I think that's a really clever play that i have not seen before.
1: Yeah. And I think what you need to do is consider like the value add to the community, right? Like if you're going to be giving away (laughs) a box of sardines or like a jar of olives you might appeal to some people who like olives or that are like, <laughs> I'm happy. You know what I mean? Like if you're on Instagram looking for an olive recipe and because sticker Mule has a large account, it's actually kind of a brilliant tactic. What they're doing is they're going to draw eyeballs from people who say they want to make like a summer olive dish and they're looking on Instagram and they're looking for hashtag olive and this pops up in their feed and they're like, Ooh, win a jar of olives, what's sticker Mule? never heard of it. Now you created that top of mind presence. Um, so quite smart there, and I actually think it does benefit having a large account. Um, but you have to be like very thoughtful and tasteful. Like like right. the we amount we would never of-
0: recommend doing a hundred days of giveaways for anybody in the woodworking space. You would lose all of your followers. Yes. Uh, pretty much instantly.
1: And, and well, but- <laughs> I, I know someone who tried it, and y- the commitment has to be on a level unseen before within our and it community. has to
0: be and it has to be like. I think to pull something like that, like you have to make it, you have to make work, even if people aren't interested in entering, that at least it's got some humor, some comedy, you know, something in there that people will take away and not be like, like basically you don't want to make people unfollow you by giveaway. And I think that's, you know, what we're getting at, right? So how yeah. can you steer that, whether it's something that is so broadly appealing, like a TV, I mean, who, I mean, I'm sure that there, there's plenty of people who wouldn't want a TV, uh, you know, tiny house folks and people who just don't want a 55 inch TV, uh, or don't need one, but it's just such a broad appeal. Right. And, and they're also going, you know, like, yeah, the box of sardines. So they're, they're going all up and down, you know, so you could do, you know, Starbucks gift cards or something like that. But, uh, so that you're not just pushing your stuff down people's throats and being like, oh, here's my products. Here's my products. Like, yeah, I, I think it's brilliant, man. I just, I saw that and I really, I was just really blown away. I was like, wow, that is, that is clever. It's also bold. I mean, like you said, John, like you, not anybody can pull that off, like maybe 10 days of giveaways. I I think somebody could pull off pretty easily. But uh, yeah, 100 is so I, I think like, out there. I
1: think I think the kind of lesson and the reason we this question popped up again was because you can see how juicy it can become, hence why we did an entire episode on it. Um, and there's a lot of really good detail and strategy within that episode. I think you said 97, right? Um, where we, where we dive into both of our thoughts and feels on it. Um, and definitely you're going to want to check that episode out. If you're looking for more info and detail on how to manage giveaways and how to do them. Um, and, and we kind of wanted to touch on how, you know, how much we, where we get the questions for some of our shows, one, how valuable the being a patron can be to our show. Um, being that, you know, you can spur an entire episode just out of asking a simple question in the after show. So awesome stuff there, Tim. Um, Awesome stuff there, Sticker Mule. I'm not gonna lie, just in, entered to win a box of sardines. The box of sardines. I'm, I'm running low. i only I only have two cans of sardines left. I'm dead serious. I have sardi- I love sardines. I just eat them like a snack, just like crush them. Uh,
0: that's disgusting. But anyway, our, great our protein, next good healthy
1: fats. Like, come on, dude. Tim Ferriss does it too. Obviously, he's right. my dad.
0: Our next question coming in uh, <laughs> from our man uh, Brad Hubbard from Naughty Log Woodworks. And and Brad asks about email marketing, and uh, you know Brad's running his business there, and he's asking about how how can you best use email marketing to educate your customers, uh, and and answer any unknowns about your product. But and this was you know, cropping out. We've had a ton of conversations uh, with with Brad around his business, and and just trying to say you know the the broader question is how to better use email marketing, right? And then one of the things I think that that Brad gets a lot is, you know, unknowns or questions. And basically the idea that we were talking about with him is like, you know, how do you eliminate uh, the negatives and the holdbacks and the, um, what do you call them, John? You get a great name for them. The roadblocks. Like how, how do you take away the roadblocks for a customer in between them and their purchase decision? So whenever that's coming up, you know, can you use email to do that and help educate your customers? Uh, you know, I think that email is probably one of the most underutilized resources on the web mm-hmm. for most businesses. I honestly do. Uh, I, I think there's some businesses that do it really well. I think there's some that do it really poorly and just send way too many. I mean, how many... Like, I, I think that's the biggest thing in retail, John. Like, I don't know if you... Like, yeah. I know you, we were just talking about Pottery Barn. You got some super steal on some stuff from Pottery Barn. Oh, like, always got to keep your
1: eyes open walking through the mall.
0: <laughs> if you get signed up for the Pottery Barn email list... Which I'm on. I mean, you are guaranteed...
1: Oh. To just get blown up i oh mean they, they, they
0: got to get you like every other day it feels like
1: well i, I mean, mean and way they have more than their, once a week all their sub brands and like and like uh here's another th- like um what i find a lot too is like uh like if you guys have heard of like co right or like neilpatel.com like these are yeah. great resources for online marketing and stuff pummel you with emails pummel yes and some of us some people are really into that like i do know communities in which they love a daily email they, they absolutely consume it. It's a quick, 10, I used to be 15 yeah. minutes, but like for but wh- a value added yes. a value
0: added, like something like thought <clears throat> of the day. I, that's actually what I used to, I used to do like a, uh, a quote of the day. Yeah. And I was like, you know, they're inspirational or whatever. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like, quote, and then I was just like, you know, cause like once you don't open that email for like a week and then you're like backlog, like 10, you stop you're like, Oh my God, this is, and then, yeah, you stop reading and then they just keep coming and you get resentful and then you just
1: blow them up. And this is kind of like where, so where the conversation was steered on this end was like, you know, in, in the making custom furniture, so so Brad's business is he sells and produces high end custom furniture. And so with that, you know, creating an email marketing campaign in order to create an educational drip for your community, like what's the value add going to be there? And is it something that you want it to be based around problem points or those roadblocks in a buyer's experience? And in my experience, I always lean to know you're not ever going to try to put the blinders over a client that's looking to buy by trying to like coerce them out of any potential problems within a project. But anytime you harp on negative, you're always going to get more negative in my experience. And so I'm always trying to look at how this could be positive. And Brad's question specifically is asking about educating the customers on unknowns. Well, those unknowns specifically start to come in things that are like, what kind of finisher are you using or what kind of wood material is you using? What's your joinery methods? And, and there's going to be a very small segment of your audience that actually cares about that kind of stuff. They're going to care that you use the two part catalyst lacquer to spray your, your, uh, dining table that used, you know, eco epoxy, epoxy, and diamond finishes, tints, and, um, that, that's, it's great if you want to facilitate that audience. But with that also comes the opportunity for potential, uh, annoyance, like Brad kind of said, with, with overpopulating their email and inbox. And two, asking questions on things that are going to take your time away from, uh, what else is happening within your business, right? Like if you're a one man wrecking crew like Brad is, you're going to want to be sure you're in the shop making furniture or you're selling furniture. When you have questions to answer, it's a quick phone call or something that is extremely pertinent to the to the topic at hand. Um, So by sending out an email to, say, a couple hundred people and potentially getting a couple hundred people coming back to you and saying, Oh, I didn't know what mortise and tenon was. Can you tell me more about it? And you get three people doing that. Then you're writing three emails on mortise and, and like you're just completely off the rocker on what's happening. Um, so I think Brad's intent with this concept was to see what kind of value add to the buyer experience there would be um, for potential clients down the line. And in this instance, I don't know if emails the best opportunity to do so. I definitely think driving to an FAQ on your website would be a much better opportunity. Um, you know, having some frequently asked questions somewhere for people to go and read um, that isn't thrown in their face. Right. You're not going to you're not going to walk up to someone and say, hey, thank you so much for your business and then punch them in the face with 12 different problems that could potentially pop up in your project. Right. You're going to be. No, you want to sail on that high ground as long as you can. And if a problem pops up or someone has a question, drive them somewhere. That's a more educational individualized piece of either content or, um, literature that can help them through this problem. Sending it in an email. I think it's
0: like the negative. I think what you're hitting on that though is like, don't spawn more. Don't, don't answer questions. They're not asking. Right. Because then that, you know, they, they start thinking like, Oh, well, should I be worried about that? Uh, at the same time though, I think, you know, a good strategy again, accentuating the positives. And more, especially more design oriented, so you know could be latest trends, could be you know matching pieces, stuff like that, um, you know could be just general decorating or kind of trending topics, things like that where it's not yep. going it's not going to come back and, and spawn more questions, but it's going to be like, hey, uh you know late breaking like we've got if you've not looked we're now making um." What is it? Uh What oh gosh, I just mi- uh, uh, bohemian boho. We're doing like bohemian <laughs> furniture now, you know? Like we're we're doing like new style, right? So it's, instead of uh modern, modern is is kind of shifting and now it's it's much more it's much more in this like bohemian that I don't even know what that means. Me neither, uh, I'm googling it. It is. Yeah, boho, man. It's bohemian it's Rhapsody. all the rage. That's
1: totally <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's all the rage. I, I may be saying it completely wrong, but I I'm, I'm fairly certain that I I am correct. My, my wife was telling me about it. And I was like, what does that mean? She's like, I don't know. Here's some pictures. Uh, it, yeah, boho chic. Sure. Uh, exactly. And so being like, hey, here's what here's what boho chic is. And by the way, we can make that style too. So educating them on different things that you can make for them in styles. Um, if, you know, we've talked about that too. If you want that in your product line, if that matches with your setup, you obviously don't want to extend yourself. Uh, if you, you know, if it's going to cause you to have different tooling setups and it's going to cause a, a job, uh, to not be consistent with the the other jobs in the line so that it makes everything harder but if it's just a, yeah. a different shape of a leg or you know something that looks different so you're saying oh like this is you know the a finished style versus a, a you know a traditional modern style and looking at more rounded legs versus angular legs and things like that like those are are interesting things that you can give as as options to try to spur people's imagination mm-hmm. and like oh I I want that so it's more of a sales tactic of getting people uh, excited about the possibilities and what you can do for them. So, like, hey, are you, you know, do you have old out outdated furniture? Uh, you know, looking at stuff from the from the '70s and '80s that you may have gotten handed down from your parents. Well, maybe it's time for a new new table. Here's some of the latest trends. Da 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 da. Uh, Brad's a big proponent, of, and it uh, works a lot in epoxy. So, highlighting some of the latest you know trends in epoxy tables and yeah. and That's- showing some really killer designs. Uh, those, those are ways I think you could really use email marketing to just drum up some excitement around your products and what your skill set is.
1: Exactly. And, 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 and it adds value to that kind of buyer experience. I think when we were, we were we were specifically talking about this, you know, the concept of buying a luxury vehicle somewhat came up. Um, and if you've ever bought a luxury vehicle or been in this situation to oh, talk to dude, someone, so luxury 2011 oh. Chevy Avalanche. Yeah. Like you walked on the lot, some dude walked out in khakis <laughs> he and a button up. And, yeah, and he just said, he hand hey, me an espresso. Yeah. Thank goodness you're here. No one has looked at this car in seven years. No. So the, the, like, I've never bought a luxury vehicle, by the way, but because I bought my last three vehicles from the same guy, when I walk in, it is a completely different experience than someone random on the lot. Right. And uh, my guy's name's Bob. He just comes. Hey, John, how you doing? What are you looking at? Gives me the keys. Boom. I'm out the door and I can drive the car, do whatever I want with it. And that experience kind of lets me facilitate my own desire for a new vehicle. Right. And in that, that's Quite common in uh, when I was taking marketing classes back in college, what they what they describe as a user experience and say buying a Mercedes or a Lexus or a Bentley or something like that compared to uh, like the standard consumer market for cars. And, uh, you know, that the guy's not getting in the car with you. They're letting you develop your own concepts and ideas, letting you develop and kind of build your life around this concept of having that vehicle in it. Well, if you want to use email marketing uh, effectively, my suggestion would be to do something like similarly with the marketing tactics itself. Right. So like uh, Brad, for instance, makes a lot of epoxy furniture using that to uh, facilitate, you know, trends in the industry, perhaps with the market and then giving the individual reading the email the opportunity to put themselves in a place where they could see that piece of furniture in their life. So. By doing so, you justify yourself as an expert potentially in with whatever type of furniture you're making. Say, you know, uh, if you're doing modern furniture, um, you know, you want to create a modern aesthetic in a not modern home. Here's five tips to modernize your existing living room kind of thing and using those opportunities to not only justify yourself as an expert from design standpoint, and uh, you also give value to anyone reading it, not just a buyer. If so, no one's buying your furniture, they're still going to get a tip on how to use, you know, different types of tufted pillows on a couch with a modern duck table in order to give a completely different look for the spring or the fall or whatever it might be. So think about those opportunities to add value to the customer experience or the potential customer experience comparative to a transactional experience, right? Like if you buy, you don't want to go into an email and say, if you buy my furniture, you're getting X, Y, Z. You want to build a situation in which the potential client is going to put themselves in whatever your furniture is or an environment with your furniture, and they can see their family there. They can see themselves there. They can see them cooking or serving or whatever around that. Um, you know, Think of how you're molding the situation. So the email marketing tactics don't have to be around problem or pain points. They can be more or less around experience and building on the experience. That way, long term, like those are things that are more shareable, right? If you're if you if you have a client that's potentially, say, a mother, she might send to her daughters your five tips on modern design. And when the daughter is ready to purchase a piece of furniture, they're going to look to that expert, the mother recommended. But if you're sending to the mother, you know why I use two part catalyst lacquer compared to a low VOC hand applied wax finish and she dumps that in her spam folder you're never going to get that. And she's probably not going to share that with her daughter. So you can see how by create not by not trying to immediately address problems and by trying to create a better experience for your potential clients or your existing clients, you can really win uh, with email. And that's specific to this space. Right. Like, so, I mean, we yeah. all have emails and I, 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 I'm not gonna lie. I, I get targeted on email marketing and I kind of dig it sometimes. Like, I'm like, wow, that was <laughs> great. Like, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole and see if maybe I might buy because Oh yeah. If it's, I, a, if it's good, if it's savvy, if it's clever, I, I, I understand that there is uh psychological techniques that go into this stuff and I appreciate them because they are difficult yes. to execute on.
0: That's just, right. But that, that's like, you gotta be good at it though. Like we, we talked about this before, John, I think you know who this is, but I am on an email drip from, from somebody who, who, who does kind of something similar to what we do, but uh, and I literally, I joined it and I'm on it like just so I can read the emails. I'm like, this is brilliant. And, uh, and just watching it and see how they engage and interact because there is, and I've been, uh, I was recently re-listening to a uh, story brand by Donald Miller. Good book. And, oh man, it's, it's so brilliant. And like you said, John, so, you know, he talks about solving the, you know, either the external problem, which would be, Hey, I need a place to eat my food, which would be a table or the internal problem, which is like, I want people to be, you know, I want to, I want people to not come in my house and I don't want to feel ashamed to have people over my house because I've got a dingy table. And so like, how do you make them the hero and make them be, you know, so addressing like this table, like would look amazing in your dining room, you know, or basically, you know, it gives you more seating areas. You can have more people over and you don't feel like, you know, you're cramped around this little mini table, like Basically, like, how do you make the customer win out of the email? And, like, exactly what you said, John. It's it's not it's not about your process. It's about like putting that piece of furniture in their lives and letting them see
1: why their lives would be better yep. having a piece of your furniture. And that, that way, when they're and here's what I here's what the one of the beauties of making furniture for me is is that when that experience does happen, they're remembering you. For giving it to them, right? For making that moment happen. When you have a beautiful dining table and the family has an unbelievable uh, experience or say at a holiday or something around it, they're going to remember you and thank you and be uh, they're going to be value added to their lives because of their experience with yourself. And that's what you're trying to capitalize on with email marketing within our niche you're not trying to promote sales you're not you don't want to try and promote i mean yeah there's times and tactics that that work for that kind of stuff don't get me wrong but if you're going to create a consistent email list within selling custom furniture my suggestion would be to go that route for everything brad just said as well as like what we all you feel inclined to click on or participate with more within our lives right love it love it
0: all Oof. right, we have our Ju- last one
1: juicy. But I want, I want. By the way, I want you all to know that it is like ninety degrees here in Pittsburgh. I'm in a hot box, and we turn my air conditioning off for the show so that I have the beautifully crispy, perfect sounds that are coming through this mic right now. Yeah. And I'm profusely sweating and dripping all over myself at the moment, especially but after talking about that evening. It's all
0: good. I feel like you should put a a story post of the of your air conditioner too, just so people can see what you're working with.
1: I, I will. I'll throw that up there. hashtag boob, yeah. boob sweat too. <laughs>
0: All right. Our last question, <laughs> another content question. Uh, we had a, a couple questions on this. Actually, we had one and then a follow-up. Uh, and it's about TikTok. So if you have no idea what TikTok is, you're not alone. Uh, but TikTok is a new social media platform. And basically, people were asking and seeing folks post on TikTok and cross post onto Instagram. And the question uh, from Dennis Nestor and then Adam from Lazy Guy DIY was, um, you know, what should we be there? What you know? What does this mean? Is is this a place where uh, we can actually leverage? So, the first question was, "Hey, like, what's what's the deal? Should we be jumping over?" Uh, when we kind of answered that in the after show and talked about the fact that you know we thought it was probably not the right crowd, uh, and then the follow up question from Adam was, "Well, you know, how how can we leverage that knowing the current state of the platform, which is a very very young audience?" Um, and so it, it's interesting. So if you're not familiar with TikTok, it used to be or at least it used to be uh, Musical. Musical.ly, and then Musical.ly is, I don't know if they just totally killed that, but TikTok bought Musical.ly and basically has now become the new Musical.ly. And uh, the the kind of the genesis of it is it's, a, it's kind of like Vine. So it's very short clips um, where people are, and they're not totally, they're not that short, but where people are singing and they're either lip syncing. So like they actually have licensed music on there so you could put on you know whatever Katy perry or whoever you want to have on and then uh (laughs) lip sync to it and then do you like that that's that's, whoever that's what comes i was
1: expecting like
0: share or or. no 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 no. Katy perry man come on i i I went down a oh my i went down a huge rabbit hole last night of like do we want to know this no you don't uh i was like just looking at all this pop stuff and and looking at uh i ended up like like Miley Cyrus and Taylor Swift, not just like looking at their stuff that they've done with like Ellen. And, uh, she's she's the best anyway. Uh, so yes, I was down like a horrible, horrible, like pop rock. Oh, I do it all the time.
1: Oh, it was, it was so bad. And then then you keep serving them.
0: Right. Exactly. And so like, that's the audience. That's the audience is those folks who love, who love Miley Cyrus and Taylor Swift and, and I think I, th- I think it's important, as far as my knowledge to,
1: goes, to point out that the that the platform itself is inherently based around short attention spans, which is very very common. Yes, in millennials and, 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 and comedy, and comedy, right? It's it's almost like sketch
0: comedy. I mean, it's it's like you said, John. I mean, just by the nature of it being based around music, is that people are coming to be entertained, not to to mm. learn and and grow community. It's more like what can I flick through and laugh at. Uh, or just see somebody that's really awesome. Uh, so it's not, it's not a place where you're going to be growing a lot of community. You like the comments are, are going to be all like cat emojis and unicorns and LOLs. Um, and they're going to be the majority of those folks are going to be in that 24 and under age group. So, you know, if you're, if you're doing custom woodworking, um, much harder, like you want to be connecting with those people's parents, not them (laughs) or them in 10 years. Um, but from a content creator, so I I think that would probably be the, the one area where we would look at it and go, okay, if you are a content creator, if you're trying to build an audience, because, uh, you know, the thing is, is that an audience is an audience, whether that's on TikTok or Instagram or Twitter or YouTube or wherever, if you have eyeballs that are saying, Hey, we want to see what this person's doing because we like it for whatever reason, because it's entertaining, educational, inspirational, whatever it is, uh, that's valuable. And if you have content that you think, you know, like one of the guys like that I think would do great. And I don't even know if he does TikTok is, uh, is Jason Hibbs from bourbon moth mm-hmm. because, you know, he's like sketch comedy, right? And that's a small portion of what he does for his woodworking. And then he does really awesome woodworking. The people on TikTok, like that audience would love just kind of like the funny sketch stuff. They would, could care less about his woodworking, uh, more than likely for the vast majority of them. But having like the funny portion of it and tying that in. So, you know, that's how I would see somebody who is like just really naturally uh, inclined to do those kind of funny things and and make the videos that that could be a place where, yes, you could excel and grow a following. And then, you know, what you do with that and how you convert that. uh, I don't know how much conversion is going to be there to go from TikTok to then get them to long form YouTube, because like John said, that's going to be totally different. People are digesting a 15 second thing versus a 10 minute thing. Yep. Uh, you know, that's probably not going to happen. But, uh, you know, if you had a half a million followers on TikTok, like you could get sponsors on that platform. And that's a thing.
1: Yeah. And I think that's how you have to kind of look at any sort of platform, right? Is that it's its own entity. But, you can actually live and die on an individual platform. That's why that's why we're both advocates for for diversifying your portfolio, right? If you're just an Instagrammer, like get on YouTube. If you're just a YouTuber, get on Instagram. If you're on Facebook, you know, get on something. Have a website, be diversified. Um, that's kind of one of the downsides. And and I'll touch on like what I think is negative about TikTok since since Brad kind of explained what it is and and gave a opportunity to Build on it and is that like I look at TikTok and I go, what sort of value can I add to my community within what they're getting value from now on Instagram? And most of my community is uh, is getting, um, <clears throat> I guess, education and inspiration, more inspiration. Um, a lot of the comments I get are, you know, based around inspiration when inherently you could see how Brad's content is probably a little bit more educational since you crush educating. But it's TikTok kidding, is just such a short time span. How do you educate? And it's not necessarily you can't. It's just a matter of how do you pivot what you're already doing in order to apply it to that platform and how people are consuming content on that platform and adding value to an audience or potential audience that can be there. I personally have no interest in having a 13 to 22 year old audience. They have no money. They can't buy anything. And our sponsors want conversion for a product. They want to see consumables. And like and they, so we're not just trying to create brand awareness for the potential buyer always long-term it's you know like you work with a brand like diablo or type on or something like they sell blades and glue like they are things you use and that reuse and you're trying to keep them in brand for life and um it's just very hard to do that to a 13 year old in my eyes and that's why i haven't gotten the platform um as the demographic gets older which happens with every platform instagram used to be at least 10 to 15 years younger uh As far as the general user demographic uh, when it got started, you know, um, then it may be more valuable to individuals like ourselves who have core audiences of people who are significantly older than the general audience of TikTok right now. But does that mean it's not somewhere you want to be? No, that's just my perspective on it. And that like if I was to build an audience of 13 year olds. I can very very likely say that I couldn't convert them onto buying anything that I'm selling, uh, whether that be plans or a course or attention uh, for brands that are looking to buy. And, and I just know that for me personally, um, I just think it'd be more work than what it's worth, right? Especially with so yeah. much a lack in my in my portfolio for platforms like Facebook and Pinterest that do have. Massive audiences and massive uh, value add to my brand in demographic for where I should be. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I think you got to have to look. I mean, that's, you know, basically what we're getting at is that how does that audience align uh, like, with the audience you want to have? If you're 20
1: have. years old and your you know, your YouTube channel and your Instagram and your woodworking business is based around um, making woodworking more fun and approachable for people that are younger than you crush it on TikTok. Yeah. I'm right now looking at how I can do that on Instagram and get younger people that are right. in their twenties. It's about you know?
0: relatability too. Right. I mean, <clears throat> I have a, a ton of young woodworkers that follow me and engage with me. And, uh, you know, I, I get DMS all the time from kids that are 13, 14, 16. And like, yeah, for one of those, like where I could really see if like a young person who's already on there, like, like, consuming the content as like part of the community. Cause that's what we always talk about, right? You gotta be part of the community of a social media platform. Uh, if, if it's like a, a young woodworker and then they start making just something, you know, that they're not making $5,000 dining tables. Maybe they're making like a little wooden, uh, you know, earphone wrap or like, you know, those little things that look like fish or whatever. That's something that you're selling for like 10 bucks. Like that, something that kids would think cool or, that kids their age would be like, oh yeah, like, dude, I would totally love to have that. And it's something that's actually affordable that a kid could have some money, you know, to to shell out 10 or 15 or 20 bucks for something. That's a whole different thing. that'd be a perfect example of somebody who could use that because they are going to, one, be relatable. If I got on TikTok, these dudes are going to be like, whose dad got on here? You know, wh- whose granddad is this? Like, you know, <laughs> they're going to be like, why is this guy trying to talk to us? Uh, unless I was like, you know, super engaging and, and doing something on their level. So know the audience that you're that, uh, on the platforms that you're going to. And I was just talking with a brand yesterday. We we're talking about my different platforms. And we were going through and looking at the ages uh, as well as geographies of the different platforms. And, you know, an interesting thing is, uh, and John and I, we, John, we talked about this, uh, you know, a week or two ago as well, is that Instagram, uh, on Instagram, my Instagram following is only... 40% US. So Instagram is very international platform, uh, much, much more so than Facebook. On Facebook, I, I, was, I hadn't looked at it and I don't know if I'd ever looked at it. I looked at Facebook and 75% of my Facebook audience is US-based. So it, it's really an interesting thing like that when you start looking at the the complexion of audiences and who you're reaching. And so what do those things mean and what do they mean to brands? And so, you know, that's something that
1: but that's I think we you all gotta remember to that. At- that's where we make money. Like if you're selling tables, you don't want to be like, who's going to buy a table on TikTok? Right. Like what's right. going to be the, like? So, you, so just be a lot of people are like, you know, you'll listen to someone like Gary Vee who says, like, be wider, be wider, be wider. You know, you want to be on every platform. And that's great. But you need to do it deliberately. Like, Brad, when did you get on YouTube?
0: Yeah. Like that, that was after I did the blog and the Instagram. So it was like right.
1: 2016. Yeah. So you like, you just took a, you took a deliberate and like thought out uh, process in order to get you onto a, a platform that you knew you could add value to. And then you executed on it. It wasn't just like, Hey, let's try this. Like, that's what Twitter is for us. Right. We'll eh, Just throw stuff at Twitter. See, so you know, something, whatever. And, uh, and yeah, TikTok, I, I, I don't know. I, never, it's, it's also did, like, a,
0: it's a, like you just said though, John, it's, uh, Instagram was probably a younger audience. I mean, it was a younger audience five years ago and maybe TikTok evolves, right? Because as those kids age up and as the, the age of TikTok and more people start seeing it and they want to drift over there, you know, that's going to change in time. So that's kind of point in time today, you know, July, 2019, uh, we'll see where it progresses, But it does have a lot of momentum. So I I completely understand also why people are like, dude, should I be here? Uh, So it never hurts to just go over there. Like if you can repurpose content also and go over there, like I know we've got several folks in the woodworking, uh, you know, kind of sphere and community that have tens of thousands, you know, 50, 70,000 followers on TikTok already. Uh, so, and there was all of this so this whole paid thing that a lot of people went onto and they were paying them to post on TikTok, mm-hmm. but others who didn't and still have fifty or seventy thousand. So, um, yeah, I mean you you can, and if it's if it's something that excites you, just go do it anyway, right? That and yeah, and kind I mean, of build an audience and then see what happens from there. Because if it if you're into it, if you're going there just to say you're on TikTok, then don't do it. But if you really enjoy that and you like making that style content or whatever then, you know, go for it. And then, and then, uh, you know, there's always speculation, right? That's what Gary talks about a lot. He's like, Hey, I get in there. I don't know if it's ever going to work out, but I'm at least putting my foot in the door, learning about the platform and seeing if it's for me or not. So if you're thinking about
1: doing it, then go ahead and check it out at a minimum. And if there's a tangential part of your brand that you want to showcase that you think is not going to be valuable on whatever platform you're actually focusing on, then maybe that is where you go with it, right? Like, uh, like for instance, like uh, our friend Annie Briggs, like, has her farm uh, and her adorable animals. Well, I bet you a lot of kids and younger people would love to see her fluffy butt Friday posts or something, you know, dealing with that. Like, it could oh, be a I great see
0: fluffy butt just. Dancing, you know what I'm saying? They're like a
1: value add. Yeah. That's a value add to her brand. Now, are her sponsors going to be seeking the audience that she has on TikTok? No, but if she does an event or you know goes somewhere, that she could potentially be pulling that younger audience there. And it could be based around something that's tangential to her core brand of woodworking, uh, but that she does showcase a lot. And and that's a value add. For me, for instance, like I don't really feel like I personally assimilate to young people in that demographic as well as I do with people that are like, for me, 22 to 35 year old guys. Like that's my like core. Um, and I just know that guys aren't on TikTok right now. You know, it's it's just it's just not a thing i could ask my 10 best friends and none of them have ever heard of tiktok guarantee it so yeah you get that you got to be aware of that kind of stuff is there there's definitely opportunity there though and i agree with you brad it's like it's the unknown it's always there. there's always gonna be apprehension going into the unknown and i think there's also a ton of value being a first mover like i would love to hear someone who, who listens to this episode says screw you john you, you big moron hops on tiktok and absolutely crushes it like that's what i want Out of this, because I I do think that there are some incredible talent uh, out there in our listener sphere that could just dominate on TikTok. Absolutely dominate.
0: Yes. I'm in. I'm in it. I think your new stuff would do well on TikTok, John.
1: I'd have to pull parts of it, right? I'd have to. It it would depend on the part. Like TikTok freedom. Yeah. Like me. Like, yeah. TikTok. Like just the bald eagle soaring I think, and me yeah, ripping my I shirt know. off. I think
0: Duke Cannon. I think Duke Cannon is the the sponsor. That, so
1: the, here's the thing, though, yeah. is like that's a consumer. Like, in there. like I can't sell 15. I can't sell soap for my sponsor to a 15-year-old whose mom buys their soap. I need to go where their I mom really is. I need to get action. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Slow down. Slow down. What? Um, <laughs> I mean, It's true. <laughs> if my mom bought my soap now i'd still take it i'm 31 <laughs> like, that's true free that's soap true. you take it all day i i'm going to have dinner you know my parents you tonight, know so. your parents are still buying bulk pack dove and
0: uh irish dude i bought a pack i went to kmart when they were closing around here and i bought like five ten packs of soap still using it yeah so yes I don't yeah. know how we got on that, but anyway, well, I'm just saying that, like, uh, yeah, if you go over like your parents and they've ago. got
1: the bulk pack crate full of soap, you're snagging a bar, and I you're taking you a home. bar, maybe two. I do it in my, two. I did it my grandparents for years <laughs> when I was in college, <laughs> yes, because I had no money
0: and I and was. And then in they college. have those nasty smell, yeah, but and that's it's like who's on TikTok, you, and then you
1: you smell like an old person,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, well, before we go too far off the rocker here, we'll, we're gonna wrap this one up. Thank you so much. To our patrons who had these great questions, and again, if you'd like to be part of the patron tribe, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit, and we will answer all your questions about body soap and, um, you know, new social media platforms. All right, well, we are going to go ahead and head over and talk with our patrons now in the after show, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Peace. Peace.